Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. Hi, everyone. I'm away for one more week. So I have for you an encore presentation of last year's podcast on Shoftim. It's called Judaism in Constant Evolution. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with new episodes. So let's talk about Shoftim. This is a Torah portion that ostensibly is all about leadership. And that makes sense given the name of the parsha. Shoftim means judges. And the portion begins by telling the people to establish judges, to establish magistrates once they enter the land. Remember that Moses is our speaker here, not only this week, but for the entire book of Deuteronomy. And he's giving the people advice and information about the life that they should set up once they cross over into the promised land. So in that context, he says, this is Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 18. Shoftim v'shotrim titen lecha b'chol sha'arecha. You shall appoint magistrates or judges and officials for all your tribes in all the settlements that the Eternal your God is giving you, and they shall govern the people with due justice. He goes on to say that these judges, these magistrates, should not accept bribes, should not show partiality either to the rich or to the poor, and that tzedek tzedek tirdof, justice, justice, shall you pursue. So that's the overall context for the Parsha that we're reading here, that society must be governed with justice. And it then goes on to list three other kinds of leaders that are part of the ancient Israelite justice or governance system, so to speak. And those three kinds of leaders are kings, priests, and prophets. So we have four different kinds of leaders who play different roles in society. And I think it's worth noting early on in this Parsha that the Torah seems to have a sense that societies are complex, that societies require different kinds of leadership, and that leaders are human, that they require guidance, that they need a tradition from which to draw. So the Torah sets itself up here as the tradition from which these leaders will draw. In fact, it explicitly says that the king of Israel is supposed to have a copy of the Torah sitting beside them and to be read from it so that the king as well, even the most powerful leader in the land, will not be above the law. So does that mean that the Torah is prescribing a theocracy, a country ruled by Torah? Well, in some ways, yes. And we know that ancient Israel was a theocracy. There wasn't separation of powers between the religious leadership and the political leadership. But in other ways, the Parsha is describing a system that is intended to evolve, that is intended to take different shapes in different time periods. And the rabbis who come later and who formulate Jewish tradition as we know it really, really read it that way. Let me show you what I mean. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 8, we read these words. Ki davar If a case is too baffling for you to decide, 
Vikamta va'alita el hamakom asharivchar Adonai Elohecha bo. You shall promptly go to the place where God's name has been established, and you shall appear before the Levitical priests or before the magistrate, the judge, who is in charge, Bayamim Hahem, who is in charge in those days. So we have here a set of instructions that cases are to be tried and legal decisions are to be made by a sitting court, essentially an appeals court. But the rabbis are interested especially in those last couple words. You're supposed to go before the judge who is in charge, Bayamim Hahem, who is in charge in that time. And the commentators ask, why did it need to say that? Why can't it just say, you should appear before the judge? Now, one piece of background information you need to know about the rabbis, and when I talk about the rabbis, I'm talking about those religious leaders who flourished in really the first through sixth centuries of the Common Era. They didn't write the Torah. They came hundreds of years after the Torah. But they interpreted Torah and framed Judaism as we know it. And one of the assumptions that the rabbis make, which is not necessarily an assumption of those of us who read Torah today, is that there can be no superfluous words in the Torah. They believe that every word is filled with meaning. So why would there be these seemingly superfluous words, Bayamim Hahem, in those days? And here's what the rabbis say about it. In the Talmud tractate Rosh Hashanah 25b, it says, Would it enter your mind that a person could go to a judge who's not around in his days? No, of course not. This teaches that you only need to go to the judge who is around in your days, which is to say you don't necessarily have to ask how was it in former days. The judge today is authorized to make decisions about the law. So built into the system here is the idea that laws, Jewish laws, are meant to be interpreted in every age. And the commentator Rashi, who lived in the 12th century in France, says the same thing. He says even if the current judge is not the same as the ones who have been before them, you need to talk to the judge who lives in your day. That's really interesting if we think about the way that Judaism has evolved. The Torah is setting itself up here as a system that not only can be interpreted, but that needs to be interpreted in every generation. That every generation has a different set of needs and set of expectations and set of propositions that it brings to the text. And therefore, Judaism is meant to evolve from generation to generation. And there's a story in the Talmud that really drives home that idea. This is from Tractate Menachot, page 29b. And it tells that when Moses was standing up on Mount Sinai receiving Torah, Moses noticed that God was tying crowns to the letters of the Torah. Now, if you've ever looked at a Torah scroll up close, you might have noticed that some of the letters have decorative crowns on top of them. The tradition says that those crowns are not just decorative. They're there for a reason. And in the story, Moses asks God, what are you doing? And God says, there is a teacher, a rabbi, who is destined to be born many generations from now, named Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva will derive from every crown mounds and mounds of laws, mounds and mounds of halachot. 
So Moses is interested and says, I'd like to see him. And God says, turn around. And Moses suddenly finds himself catapulted forward in time, standing in the classroom of Rabbi Akiva in the first century CE. Moses sits down in the back row of Rabbi Akiva's classroom and listens. But the story says that Moses didn't understand almost anything that Rabbi Akiva was teaching. He became upset and he wished to leave until Rabbi Kiva finally said, this matter, whatever matter of halakha, of Jewish law he was talking about, is halakha lemoshe misinai. It is law given to Moses at Sinai. And then Moses felt comforted. So this story gives us a sense that the rabbis believe that Judaism is meant to be an evolving way of life. So much so that Moses, who is the great receiver of Torah and the great lawgiver in Jewish tradition, doesn't understand nearly a word of what's going on in Rabbi Akiva's study hall a thousand years later. Judaism has evolved so much that it feels very different to him. And yet, it's still halachal Moshem Sinai. It's still Torah given to Moses at Sinai, which is to say it's still grounded in this ancient tradition. It must be. It has to be. And yet it also has to have the freedom and the power to evolve and change over time. In fact, at the end of the story, Moses says to God, why don't you just give Torah to him? Why don't you just give it to Rabbi Akiva instead of me? He's such a great teacher and knows all of these laws. And God essentially says, Shut up, this is what I've decided to do. Torah is meant to be given here in this moment to you, and it's also meant to grow into what it will become in Rabbi Akiva's age. And by extension, we could say that Torah is meant to continue to grow and to flower and to evolve in every age. As progressive Jews, that's a really central idea in our Judaism, that Judaism progresses, that Judaism evolves in every generation. I'm not suggesting that the Torah exactly predicts Reform Judaism or Reconstructionist Judaism. That's not what it's doing. What it's doing is predicting that Jews in the future will have different ways of seeing the world and will bring those worldviews to Torah. And it's prescribing that Judaism must have the elasticity and the strength to continue to be an evolving way of life in every generation. As it says in Tractate Avot, Hafochba v'hafochba d'cholaba. We should turn Torah around and around because everything is in it. So with those thoughts in mind, and as we near the end of one more turning of Torah, we're almost at the end of Deuteronomy here, we can look at these texts and we can say, we as Jews in this day and age are authorized, are required to continue interpreting Torah. We should have our feet solidly grounded in ancient tradition by reading and studying it and understanding what it has meant in the past. And we should keep searching for meaning in these ancient words, keep working to derive meaning from them as we build our own Jewish life in this day and age. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Asok. Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, 
go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.